week's podcast from Free Chapel in Orange County. We hope you enjoy this message. For more information, check out our website at freechapel.org. I am so blessed and come to be with you here. Excited. It's a, it's a different day. I'm going to share with you a message that the Spirit of God placed in my heart. And it's a message that has emerged with a, a meta-narrative, with a testimony that is so absolutely transformative. I am an evangelical Trekkie. Uh, what does that mean? It's a new denomination. Uh, I grew up fascinated with Star Trek, and I mean the real one, the, the orthodox, not, not the new version, the watered down, but the orthodox, William Shatner, Leonard Nimoy, the real Trek, right? Christopher Pine, get serious, man. Uh, so I grew up, I'm a faith and science guy, and something took place back in January of 2015 that changed my life. Matter of fact, I want you to watch this trailer for something that's forthcoming in the month of April 2019. Uh -oh. That is not a goal. <laughs> oh my God. Hey, boys! Hey, get off the ice! It's not safe! Three boys, they fell through the ice. You've got to send help now. A 14-year-old St. Charles boy who spent 15 minutes underwater after falling through the ice of Lake St. Louis has made a recovery no one could explain. There's still one down there. We're going to do everything we can. I got a call that must have fallen through the ice. Come on, come on, stay with me. I walked out to his hospital bed and I just started to pray. Holy Spirit... There's still power in the name of Jesus. Now, how is that tangential to what I'm going to share right now? It's, it's the medical industry and the medical community in a very serious circumstance that took place in January of 2015. A young boy, 14 years of age, drowned. He was medically certified dead for over an hour, approximately one hour and eight minutes. It's the only medically verifiable, oh, I'm giving it away. But, but it's so compelling, the story, that 20th Century Fox picked it up. I have a great friend, one of my best buddies is a man named Devon Franklin. And uh, I just pitched the idea. We did our due diligence. Uh, the legal departments did their due diligence. And at the end of the day, the miracle is even more compelling. Just the power of God alive and well. Signs and wonders still happen today. They really do. And so then, then we recruited, there's a, this up and coming basketball player who saw it and said, I'm on board, some guy named Steph Curry. And so he's actually serving as executive producer with yours truly. And so I want you to make sure Easter week you participate in this narrative. But here it is. Let me share with you what God's spirit placed in my heart. John chapter five. It's all going to come full circle in a few minutes here. John chapter five. Afterward, Jesus returned to Jerusalem for one of the Jewish holy days. Inside the city near the Sheep Gate was the pool of Bethesda with five covered porches. Crowds of sick people, blind, lame, or paralyzed lay on the porch waiting for a certain movement of the water. For an angel of the Lord would come from time to time and stir up the water. The first person to step in would receive healing. One of the men lying there for, had been sick for 38 years. I'm going to illustrate this here. 
When Jesus saw him and knew he had been ill for a long time, he asked him, would you like to get well? If you do the Greek exeget on the passage, do you want what I have for you? I can't, sir, the sick man said, for I have no one to put me into the pool when the water bubbles up. I always miss my turn. Someone else gets there ahead of me. Jesus told him, stand up, pick up your mat and walk. Instantly the man was healed. He rolled up his sleeping mat and began walking. But here it is. But this miracle happened on the Sabbath. But it happened on the Sabbath. In the next few minutes I want to share with you on the subject matter. But it happened on the Sabbath. When God makes it happen when it's not supposed to happen. Let me say that one more time. But it happened on the Sabbath when God makes it happen when it's not supposed to happen. The subtext would be, you are next. You are next. Touch your neighbor, the one you like the most, and tell him you are next. Tell your other neighbor, the one you are only seated next to that person by the grace of God alone. Tell that person you are next. What a remarkable story. This is one that we want to capture somewhere in a 21st century context. What an amazing story. We have this conduit of miracles by which on occasion heaven would touch earth. And the waters would be stirred. The first person who would step into the corresponding waters would receive healing. But this man right next to the waters for 38 years sick. Now we're not privy to how long, how many years he was next to this pool. But we know that for 38 years he was paralyzed. And he would always miss his turn. And he was explicit about it. He was dependent on someone else. The seventh verse. I always, every time the waters bubble up, there's no one around to put me into the waters. The broken, the, the, the lame, the sick folk. 38 years missing turns because he depended on other people. He depended on others for his breakthrough, for his healing, and for his miracle. Here it is. When you depend on others more than you depend on God, you will never see the fullness of what God has purpose for your life. But on the Sabbath, ask yourself, who are you depending on? When you depend on others more than you depend on God, perpetual paralysis will define you. Now, I want you to hear me. We depend on others. We depend on, oh man, Señor, ayúdame, Padre, en nombre de Jesús, Nazaret. We depend We're depending right now in the 21st century context in this nation. We are depending on on government and, and political institutions to teach our children values of what is right and what is wrong. We live in a time of moral relativism, of cultural decadence, of spiritual apathy, ecclesiastical lukewarmness in many sectors of the kingdom. We can't listen. God bless Uncle Sam, but we can't depend on Uncle Sam to teach our children what is right and what is wrong. That's up to you. That's up to you, a Christ follower, your family. And I say this respectfully. Why? Because Uncle Sam may be our uncle, but he will never be our heavenly father. Psalm 62 verse 5. I depend on God alone. On the Sabbath, ask yourself, who are you depending on? But on the Sabbath, rebuke paralysis. Crowds of sick people, blind, lame, or paralyzed, lay on the porch waiting for a certain movement of the water. The condition is paralysis. To be paralyzed is to lack mobility and action, to be in a perpetual state of stagnation. And here's the revelation. 
We have all suffered from paralysis. Every single person here. Every single person here online in, in our different campuses. Not physical, but spiritual, emotional, financial, relational. Some of you right now listening to this message may find yourself just like this man. No mobility, a lack of action, a lack of movement. Paralyzed what, Mr. Preacher Man? Paralyzed integrity. Paralyzed faith. Paralyzed dreams. Paralyzed destiny. Paralyzed family members. Paralyzed ministries. Paralyzed anointing. Paralyzed joy. Paralyzed peace. Paralyzed future. Paralyzed worship. Paralyzed by what? What brings about paralysis? Sin. That's politically incorrect. Sin. Sin paralyzes. Failure, fear, the past, shame, religious condemnation, self-pity, a perpetual victimization mentality, erroneous thoughts, abuse, broken relationships, unforgiveness and unbelief, paralyzed by the constant need to be affirmed and validated. Like, 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 like. Paralyzed by fear. Paralyzed by fear of what? A fear of windows. Of what you see in the outside world. A fear of mirrors of what you see within yourself. Paralyzed by permitting others to define us. Others' opinions of us. What others say about us. The enemy of grace, truth, and love desires to paralyze our future. By attaching nomenclatures and descriptors that do not line up with God's prophetic destiny and purpose. We, we live in a day and age where people are paralyzed by a lack of viable, measurable identity. So what its definitions were paralyzed by nomenclatures. Ooh, we must know who we are to repudiate every vestige of paralysis. We begin to push back on paralysis when we understand who we truly are in Christ. So who are you? What defines you? Are you defined by your past? Are you defined by your circumstances? Are you defined by what others say about you? Here's the great news when what took place on the cross. Christ defines you. You. You, and I mean you, you are not defined by what surrounds you. You are defined by God's spirit inside of you. You are not defined by your circumstance. You are defined by his covenant. You are not defined by the hell you're going through. You're defined by the heaven you're going to. You're not defined by your failures. You're defined by his forgiveness. For all of my Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram brothers and sisters, you're not defined by the likes of many. You're defined by the love of one. And for all the religious folk, you're not even defined by what you do for God. You're defined by what God already did for you. The cross, the empty tomb, the upper room. You're defined by the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. You're defined by Galatians 2.20. My old self has been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who lives, but Christ lives in me. Jesus defines you. Let me say it again for the hearing impaired. Jesus defines you. The blood of Jesus defines you. The word of Jesus defines you. The spirit of God defines you. Paralyzed. Right now we live, oh man. We are paralyzed by, by the word hyper, hyperbole, hypertolerance, hyperintolerance, hypersensitivity. And there is this idea, particularly in the context of this emerging 21st century reality, where we are paralyzed by this, how can I put this? 
Oh, Lord, help me. This, there's a hashtag for everything, man. Everyone's a victim. And there are legitimate causes that require prophetic biblical activism to bring down all the vestiges of injustice. But the idea that you are a perpetual victim, the idea that you are born and you die a victim, the idea, oh, I'm offended here, I'm offended here, everything is easily offendable, everything hurts me. If you got your Starbucks caramel macchiato and the temperature is not right, you start your own hashtag movement. It's, it's, it's somehow, it's just wrong, it's myopic, it's discriminatory, it's bigoted. Oh man, it's, it runs counter to the biblical truth. Again, there are causes that require prophetic articulation. But for you to be a perpetual victim does not line up with the word of God. Why? Why? Because I am not a victim. I am more than a conqueror through Christ, my Lord. I am more than a conqueror. Romans 8, 37. Paralyzed, paralyzed. But on the Sabbath, you are next. So Jesus shows up. This man is so close to his miracle. And then for 38 years, 38 years, 38 years, he misses his turn. Every single time for 38 years, he's been paralyzed. First, for God knows how long he missed his turn. He would see other people get their miracle, miss his turn, miss his turn, miss his turn. Jesus comes along and says, I'm going to make you next. I'm going to make you next. I kid you. Now, so let me ask a question. How many here, if, if, look back in time, and how many here could actually say, hey, Pastor Sam, there was a moment there in my life where I missed my turn. If you've missed at least one turn in your life, y'all know what I mean by you miss your turn. There was an opportunity, a chance, or was this, but you, whoo, and then, oh, if you miss at least one turn in your life, one turn, raise one hand. If there's a couple of moments in your life where you'll look back and go, like, I missed a couple turns, sunshine, raise both hands. If y'all miss so many turns, if y'all miss so many turns that if I pick up your iPhone right now and I tell Siri, and I ask Siri who you are, automatically Siri says rerouting. <laughs> so if you've missed a bunch of turns, I'm going to tell you what God's spirit told me to tell you. If you want it, you can have it. If you don't want it, you don't have to have it. This is for every single person here who's been waiting for If you've been waiting for your turn, praying for your turn, fasting for your turn. If you've been through hell for your turn. If you fought off devils, demons, principalities, powers of darkness, other people, and even yourself for your turn. I'm here. I have great news for you. I want you to put a smile on your face. If Christ is the center of your life and you are rooted in the word of God, whoo, here it comes in the name of Jesus. Now you can say, Pastor Sam, is that prophetic hyperbole? Oh no, I lived it out. I've been there. I'm there. This is my testimony. I know what I'm talking about. So if you've missed your turn, if you've been through where you've seen other people get in and get their miracle and their breakthrough and their healing, I want you to put a smile on your, hey, free chapel, put a smile on your face because believe it or not, you are next. You really are next. Isaiah 14, 27. Well, God has purpose. Who can stop it? At the right time, I, the Lord, will make it happen. Isaiah 60, 22. I need to believe. I need you to come in agreement with me and believe and believe with me by faith through Christ that you are next. Raise your right hand. Repeat after me. I am next. Now you say, that's cute. That's, that's just, just verbal affirmation. If you think that's all, then you're missing it. I dare you to raise your right hand and repeat after me. I am next to see my entire family saved. You have no idea what you just said. You really have no idea. Are you ready to see your prodigal sons and daughters come back home? 
I'm going to say that one more time. Are you ready to see your prodigal sons and daughters come back home? Are you ready to see an unprecedented harvest? You are next. You are next for the breakthrough, for the overflow, for the healing. You are next to partake of an awakening in this nation. How about this? You are next to see a fresh outpouring of the Holy Spirit that will make a Sousa look like an appetizer. You are next. Anybody believe that with me? not supposed to get this excited. Come on, calm down, sunshine. But you are next. 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 But on the Sabbath, God confronts your present, speaks into your future while demanding that you let go of your past. When Jesus saw him and knew he had been ill, he asked him, would you like to get well? This is so cool. This is, here it is. Here's the interaction. He goes to the man, do the Greek exeget. Please feel free to do your Google Wikipedia due diligence. He goes to the man, would you like to get well? The Greek exodus, do you want what I have for you? Woo! It's not a complex query here. It's not a complex question. By the way, here it is. For all, those, all the English majors out there, here's the question. Would you like to get well? Do you want what I have for you? This requires what sort of response? Anyone know? Yes or? Simple, right? Not multiple choice. His answer is grammatically incoherent. His response is, I can't. But I, Jesus never asked him if he could. He was, not only was his body paralyzed, his spirit, his heart, his mind, his vocabulary, his language, his destiny, his faith. It went, it went beyond physical paralysis. Let me speak to you parenthetically. Hey, sunshine, I, I'm asking you if you want what I have for you. I, obviously, I'm not asking you if you could. If you could, you wouldn't be here right now. You got to get over yourself. You're full of yourself. Your paralysis is it's physical, but it's primarily spiritual because your faith, what faith? It's not about who, it's not about your ability. It's about my anointing. It's not about your potential. It's about my power. So get over yourself. So I love this, by the way. The next thing that happens is pretty amazing. It's pretty amazing because Jesus comes along. And this is a great moment for me. He comes along. He says, I can't. What's the next thing that happens? Jesus tells the man to do what? Now, now stop it. You got to go back to the Greek exegete. The passage is not just stand up. It's not like, oh, well, if you're inclined to stand up. If, 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 there's some, if there's a little piece of faith in you, sunshine, for you to stand up, y'all stand up right now. No. Matter of fact, in the Greek exodus, it's a military command. You missed it. Jesus didn't ask him to stand up. Jesus told him to stand up. You missed that. Matter of fact, if you do it, oh boy. In other words, I'm not even, I'm going to buy. Jesus, he said, I can't. Jesus easily could have done this. You can't, I'm out of here. You have no faith. I'm out. Deuces were gone, but he did not. Jesus stuck around and he did something brilliant. Great, he's done it for me. He said, I can't. Jesus ignored the foolishness that came out of his mouth and still told him to stand up. Samuel Rodriguez is grateful for every single time Jesus bypassed the nonsense that came out of my mouth. 
and still told me to stand up. Are you with me right now? Jesus basically said, I'm going to ignore what's coming out of your mouth because my purpose for your life trumps the nonsense coming out of your mouth. So I'm not even going to speak to you. I'm going to bypass the bureaucracy. I'm going to speak to my purpose inside of you. I'm not asking you to stand up. I'm not recommending for you to stand up. I am ordering you in my name to stand up. Woo! And sometimes God will tell you to stand up, not for your sake, but for the sake of your children and your children's children. Uh, for it is God who is effectively at work in you both to will and to work for his good pleasure. Philippians 2.13. But by the grace of God, I am what I am. First Corinthians 15.10. God wants to move in you. He wants to move with you. He wants to move through you. And God does not want to renovate your past. He wants to release your future. It's stand up, stand up, stand up, stand up. So he told him to stand up, stand up. He spoke to his destiny, to his purpose. He spoke to his future. Oh boy, here we go. Here's what I want to tell you to do. How is this lined up? Let me have Joyce and Jason. Joyce and Jason, where are you? Were you raptured? Joyce and Jason. Well, there you are. By the way, if they were raptured, I am an avatar officially for the record. Come here quickly. So these are the people right here, these two individuals. These are, their life stories are portrayed in this movie called Breakthrough. And it talks, it's, it's paralysis. It's about pushing back on paralysis, beyond paralysis, death, but the paralysis of faith and circumstance. Now, I want to speak to you here, and, and this is how it all comes full circle here. In January of 2015, I'm on a flight coming back from a conference. I get an RSS feed about this story. There's a, there's a young boy, there's a young boy playing with his two friends in a lake next to St. Louis, Missouri. Uh, lake St. Charles, is that right? St. Louis. St. Louis. And... The, 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 the lake is January. The lake is thawing out. And uh, this young man, who happens to be your son, right? So, so John Smith, this is Joy Smith. John Smith and his two friends, they go under. The two boys are rescued by first responders. Hypothermia, but they were rescued. Your son went under. Yes. Frozen lake. Yes. And he drowned. Yes, he did. And he was underwater for 15 minutes. Is that right? That's correct. 15 minutes, obviously, they were looking for a, a cadaver and respectfully at that time. And just first responders arrive. There's this first responder that, that came along, uh, an atheist, an atheist. And, and tell them a little bit about the atheist and what happened. Um, he was in the water looking for my son and he hears a voice tell him, go back two steps. So he's in the, in the lake. It's a large lake. And, and, and there's an undercurrent taking, moving, you know, everything underneath the lake. And so he hears a voice, loud as day. Yes. He thought it was this chief from right. on the shore telling him to go back, but it wasn't. To go back. To go back. So it's an atheist now. Yes. It's, 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 so, so, so here it is. Your boy, finally, when he goes back, hits the body. And, and brings it up 15 minutes underwater. Of course, that means uh, he was dead. 
and they, they do everything they have to do. And now they're en route to the, to the hospital. They're in the hospital over an hour, approximately an hour and eight minutes. You arrive, you get a call, you get a text, you arrive. What, what, so when you arrive in the hospital room and everything, there's paralysis. There is complete paralysis there. Now you're, this is the crazy stuff. Your, your son, tell me about your son, about how your son, the whole experience, why, why, why did you believe that God had purpose yet, even after an hour and eight minutes? What, what, what about it? He was my gift from God. We prayed for him for 17 years before we got him. And I knew that God was not going to take our gift back. And so on the way to the hospital, as I was crying out to God, I just got this peace and assurance that God was going to take care of this. I didn't know how he was going to do it, but I knew that he was not going to take my son. So you arrived at the hospital. Yes. You, now, when she arrived at the hospital, this is Pastor Jason. He, he liked his, his, yeah, Pastor, he's a rock star. So, so she comes in. This is Joy Smith, man. Right. I, mean, I mean, this is a, this beautiful, shy, wonderful woman. She walks in. This is what I read. I'm on a flight. Yeah. I'm on a flight, and I get this feed that says, woman enters emergency room. Yells, everyone in the emergency corridor hears it. Not the room, but the floor. Right. I can't imagine her yelling in such a way that everyone in the, it, it said floor, not room. Right. The entire emergency room floor of the hospital heard her yelling. So was she yelling like, my son is dead? I can't believe this. What, what did she yell that was just, that, that made secular news, not Christian news, secular news, and it went viral? What did she yell? She walked into the room and she yelled, Holy Spirit, bring my son back. She yelled. And she yelled. I mean, the woman raised her volume. The, just a desperate mom. You were coming back from some, that time you were doing a Bible study. What was that? Beth Moore's Believing God. God never does anything by accident. Your life is planned. There's a purpose for us. And he sets that open. And he's opening up doors for you. He had opened up the door for believing God. And in that, we were learning that every day, I believe God is who he says he is. I believe can, God can do what he can say can do. And I'm believing God. That was the premise that I was walking in to this hospital room to talk. Yeah, my, but my question is, it, my, my, my faith and science thing again, these theological roots, why couldn't you just pray silently inside your mind? Some sort of kumbaya, you know, politically correct, acquiesce, comfortable, you know, non-combative, confrontational. You know, why, why did you have to raise your volume where absolutely everyone heard it? Because our words are profound. They are profound because we come from a God that's omnipotent. And so because we were created in his image, we have profound words to say. And I wanted God to hear and be bold before him with what I was asking. We're not creating a doctrine of being loud. But ladies and gentlemen, it's time for us to raise our volume. No, I kid you not. It's time for the church to raise her volume. Her son, he was 14 years old. There's a generation that's dying, a generation that's paralyzed. It's time for the church to stop playing kumbaya Christianity, and it's time for us to raise our volume. She walked in there, and she said, there is still power in the name of Jesus. Hey, free chapel, there is still power in the name of Jesus. We really need to raise our volume. 
All right, wait, wait, we gotta hurry, gotta hurry. We got minutes here. So you raise your volume, you raise your volume, you really, I, mean, I can't, can't even envision this by the way you're raising your volume. And you raise your volume, and so the moment, you, I, mean, I say this respectfully, I know it breaks, every time it comes back, it's it, one hour and eight minutes approximately dead, over an hour dead, certainly ver- medically verifiable, certified, it, I mean, done. You're, you're crazy. Because you, you did that. That's what came out of your mouth. So the moment you said, upon the cadaver, Holy Spirit, bring my son back to life. Not five minutes later, not four minutes later. The moment you said that, that very moment, the moment you finished making that prayer, what took place? He had a heartbeat immediately. Let me speak prophetically. Your, your children and your children's children and your children's children's children will not be paralyzed by moral relativism. And he, no, your children and your children's children and your children's children's children will live. They will inherit what you have possessed that God has conquered on your behalf. If God did it for Joyce, God will do it for you. All right, so here's what I want to do. Let me use my volunteer here. So what I want you to do is when I count the three, I want you to stand up. The moment you stand up, the moment you represent an entire generation is about to stand up. We're about to push back on paralysis. Matter of fact, let me speak to every single person here. When you stand up, this will be the last day you will be paralyzed for the rest of your life. I'm going to say that one more time. This is the last day your family will be paralyzed. Your faith will be paralyzed. Your integrity will be paralyzed. Your praise will be paralyzed. Your worship will be paralyzed. Your joy will be paralyzed. Your peace will be paralyzed. Your destiny will be paralyzed. I'm going to speak to America right now. Paralysis is coming to an end for the church is about to rise up and stand up. Committed to righteousness. Committed to justice in the name of Jesus. So here it is, buddy. When I count to three, you're standing up. To stand up, by the way, it's antithetical to the circumstances of the paralyzed man. Jesus told him to do what he could not do before. Oh, boy. All right. Let's do this. Are you ready for this? At a count of three, stand up. I say this respectfully, and I'm going to use... I'm going to use politically incorrect terminology, not for the purpose of being offensive, but for just mass dissemination. Uh, Here it is. If your son is dead for an hour and eight minutes, even if he came back to life, the science, you can't deny science, right? So he must be in a, and I say this respectfully, in a vegetative state. No, sir. You can't, you can't, see, see, see science says, just, and I'm a faith in science guy. I don't, I don't, I don't find them to be in some sort of dichotomous relationship. But, but if you don't have oxygen in your brain for X number of minutes, there must be some sort of physical paralysis, right? Or handicap, right? No, sir. Okay. All right. Just be honest here. I mean, he, and I say this with great respect. He must be in some sort of a, a wheelchair apparatus. No, sir. All right. Where's your son at right now? He's right here. All right, John Smith. You were dead, but now you live. Because there is power in the name of Jesus. I'm going to count to three. You're about to stand up. When God, 
when, when God assigned me to Free Chapel, I, I thought about, I have to bring you in here, man. I want you to tell Free Chapel, why are you alive right now? Why are you alive? Because he has a purpose for my life. Do you believe God has a purpose for your generation? Yes, sir. Do you, do you believe when the church stands up, our children and our children's children and our children's 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 children will never be paralyzed again? Yes, sir. When I count to three, you're standing up. And it's not just you standing up. The church is about to stand up. The followers of Jesus are about to stand up. Our children and our children's children are about to stand up. Ready? One, two, three. Stand up, John. Stand up. Come here, man. Stand up. Somebody give Jesus a shout of praise. Stand up. Stand up! Stand up! Raise your hands right there where you're at. Your faith will never be paralyzed again. Your family will never be paralyzed again. Your favor will never be paralyzed again. Your children and your children's children will not be paralyzed again. Your integrity, your holiness pursuit, your righteousness walk can never again. Ezekiel 2.1 says, stand up and I will speak to you. 214, Peter stood up and God spoke through him. We got seconds here, three minutes here. In Jesus' name, anxiety, fear, confusion, depression will never paralyze you again by faith in the name of Jesus. stands up. The moment the followers of Christ committed to the centrality of Christ, to biblical orthodoxy, to biblical truth, those that don't water down the gospel, those that are not, those that will not quench the spirit. When we stand up, everything changes. Okay, we we gotta hurry here. John, Mr. Former Paralyzed Man, Mr. Former Dead Man, uh, he, it, was, it wasn't just stand up. It was, he, Jesus could have walked away and said, dude, you're walking. I'm out of here. But he didn't. He looked at him and said, oh, you're up now, huh? Then he said this, so powerful. I was there, man. I lived this. He told him, pick up your mat. Pick up that mat, John. It's critical that you pick up your mat. But on the Sabbath, it behooves you to pick up your mat. Why? Because if you leave that map behind. If that man would have left his map behind, there would have been a sense of expectation that one day he could return to that place. You missed it. When you pick up your map, you are telling heaven and hell, your haters and yourself, I don't live there anymore. become a new person. The old life is gone. A new life has begun. 2 Corinthians 5, 17. Oh, I don't live there anymore. Forget what is behind me. I'm doing my best to reach what is ahead. Philippians 3, 13. Let's do this. Raise your right here. Repeat after me. I sense God. Just repeat after me. I don't live there anymore. And just re- repeat after me. Say, I don't live in failure anymore. I don't live in sin anymore. I don't live in anxiety anymore. I don't live in chaos anymore. 
the blood of Jesus says, I don't live there anymore. The Spirit of God says, I don't live there anymore. The Word of God says, I don't live there anymore. I am not who I used to be in Jesus' name. If you really believe that, give God the best shout you've given Him in 2009. Go ahead. And then again, Jesus could have said, I'm done. I'm done. I'm done. Nope. He tells him, start walking. He tells him, start walking. M- meaning, go ahead. Do what you couldn't do before. This is local like a basic stuff, man. Start walking. Just go ahead. Do your thing. Do your walk. Do your walk. I mean, this, this is crazy. You start walking. Because he, he started to walk. Started to walk. Started to walk. Started to walk. You're looking at the only, do your Google due diligence, don't take my word for it. The only medically verifiable modern day resurrection story of a person who was dead for one hour. And Jesus brought him back to life. This is crazy. Walk, 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 walk. You got to walk. You got to walk. Learn how to walk with your mat. Walk with your testimony. Walk with your praise. Walk with your worship. Walk with your commitment to Jesus. Walk with Christ being the center in the all of your life. Walk. Don't hide it. Walk. Let others see it. I was bound, but now I am free. I was dead, but now I live. Walk. By the way, walk. Has anybody here? Is there a big mall around here? Is there a big mall? I know in all of our campuses, I know in OC, there's a lot of malls. But there's, the, the, the malls in California, where I come from, NorCal, it, y'all don't, we don't need to touch, there are no door handles. Because the doors, the malls are so ginormous. You approach the door, the moment the door, there's a sensor that reads your presence, the doors open up in your favor. See, when I drop off my wife, who has an anointing for shopping, she does. My credit card bill is indicative of that. When, when, when I drop her off and I'm parking, I'm in the parking lot. I get off my car. I'm walking. When I'm walking, the doors are still closed, but I continue to walk. The doors don't determine the speed of my walk. I continue to walk. I'm getting close to the sidewalk. The doors are still closed. I don't slow down because I know for certain the moment that I reach a certain spot, the doors will open up in my favor. Y'all missing it. I don't care how closed the doors look right now. You need to walk by faith and not by sight. 2 Corinthians 5, 7. Walk in the spirit, not in the flesh. Galatians 5, 16. I assure you, if you walk carrying your mat, the doors are about to open up in your favor. And you're about to see the fullness of God's glory in, with, and through you. Tell your neighbor, keep walking. And the final, final point. Here it is. Final point. Final point. Here it goes. He, he, he confronts. He, he's walking, so you're walking. And then the Pharisees, the religious people. Oh, the religious people. Yes. The religious people. The religious people come along, and they see him. And, and this is what happens. Come, come to me. And they say, oh, oh, oh. whoa, 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 whoa. You can't be carrying that on the Sabbath. They could have said, dude, you're walking. Religious people always get upset when God uses those they deem unqualified. Woo! 
So this is, here it is. I'm done, I'm done. This is, this is, this is my favorite part. And then he, he, this is, do your biblical due diligence. This is great. Here's the question. Here's what he, here's what he says. The religious class, you know, the Pharisees. Here's what he, he goes, who gives you the right? Read it. This is, this is the wording. Who gives you the right to carry what you're carrying? That's what they asked him. His answers were the greatest answers in all scripture. It's the one I use today. It's epic. Here it is. He looks at the Pharisee and says, I'm sorry, you're asking me who gives me the right to carry what I'm carrying? This is classic, baby. This is the one we have to use as a church now. This is, he says, you're asking me who gives me the right to carry what I'm carrying? The one who heals me gives me the right to carry what I'm carrying. No, no, no. Are you ready for this? Free chapel. When they ask you, who gives you the right to preach what you preach? Who... Who gives you the right to believe what you believe? Who gives you the right to worship the way you worship? Who gives you the right to live what you live and teach your children what you're teaching them? You need to tell them, the one who saved me, the one who delivered me, the one who healed me, the one who changed me, Jesus gives me the right. Thank you for listening to this week's podcast. We hope you were blessed.